welcome to the Will Preach for Food podcast. I'm Doug. I'm a pastor here at Faith Lutheran Church based out of Shelton, Washington, a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. If you want to know more about faith, you can go to our website, www.faithshelton.org. Today's podcast is for the third Sunday in Epiphany, January 22nd, 2023. Uh, that's also the day of our annual meeting of the congregation doing that church stuff. And just a shout out to the congregation. Uh, today, earlier today, we had the third funeral in a, in a difficult series of, of dear folks who've, who've passed away. And I just want to shout out and encourage uh, those families and also the people of faith as we, as we grieve and, and make our way into the new year. Making Christ Known is today's podcast title. It's part of our congregation's mission statement. Faith exists to reveal Jesus to the world, to make him known. So whatever we say about Jesus and how we live our lives as a result of Jesus, our talk and our walk, this is making Christ known. One of my favorite Bible verses talks about this, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. Make Christ known. Today we're looking at two passages from the Bible. Uh, The first one gives us some intel about who Jesus is, what Jesus does. He's a teacher, a preacher, and a healer. Uh, He also has this line about fishers of people, and I'm reading that in a new way this week. I'll tell you about that. Let's see. And the other reading today looks at the problem of factions among the followers of Jesus, how lesser loyalties can hinder our ability to do what we're here to do, which is make Christ known. All right, big stuff. We're going to try to get through this in about 20 minutes. Grab your Bible, open up to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. We'll start reading at verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. They were fishers. And he said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And as he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. And it goes on to say that Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. And so his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all the sick who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, people possessed by demons, having epilepsy or afflicted with paralysis, and he cured them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee, from the Decapolis, from Jerusalem, Judea, and even from beyond the Jordan. Here ends the reading. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Sisters and brothers in Christ, grace to you and peace. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Making Christ known. Well, if we're going to do that, we might start with some of the basics of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago out there in the Middle East. His ministry is based around this area called Galilee, and it's surrounded by these uh, other regions known as Syria and uh, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, uh, Transjordan. It's all kind of right there in, in a pack. He's a teacher. 
He teaches everything you need to know about God and everything you need to know about being human. Jesus is a teacher. He teaches everything you need to know about God and everything you need to know about being human. Some of Jesus' teaching is in the form of ethical instruction, like the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. Sometimes he tells stories, parables, that are intended to help us see God and to see life in a new light. But mostly Jesus teaches by living it. Jesus demonstrates, Jesus embodies, Jesus shows the world what God is like. All the way from healing the crowds to dying on the cross, that's everything you need to know about what God is like and everything you need to know about how humans made in God's image are supposed to live. All this is what he calls the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is a teacher and Jesus is a preacher. Preaching is persuasive speech. So he not only shows people how to live or, and teaches them what to do, he also challenges us to do it. Repent, he says. Repent is one of those words that just says, get your poop in a group, get your priorities straight. Know who and whose you are. Take a, moral in, take a fearless moral inventory of your life. Hit the reset button and realign your life, your words, your actions to conform to that of Jesus. And then to do that, he says, you need to follow him. Follow me, he says. Uh, and the four, the four fishermen follow Jesus. The crowds follow Jesus. Because being with Jesus, going where Jesus goes, following in Jesus' footsteps, that's how we grow closer to and more like Jesus. And that's something that here in the church we call discipleship. Again, it's this daily practice of saying yes to Jesus, seeking to follow him, following his commands, following his example. Jesus is a teacher, he's a preacher, and he is a healer. Jesus heals people. The original Greek doesn't distinguish between physical healing and spiritual healing. It's all healing, it's all wholeness, it's all salvation. And according to this story from Matthew chapter 4, all across the country, from all these different regions, people are bringing their hurting and suffering friends to Jesus, and Jesus heals them. Demons are exercised. Seizures are quieted. Bodies are blessed. Pain is soothed. Families are reconciled. Because that's what happens when God shows up. The kingdom of God is at hand, he says. And we still do this in the church, right? This is called prayer. When we bring our friends and our families to Jesus for healing. Intercessory prayer. We do that because we trust in the power of prayer. More importantly, we pr trust in the promise that God, Jesus makes. The promise and the power and the desire that Jesus says that he has to heal us, to save us. We pray because Jesus commands us to pray and promises to hear our prayers and shows us that he has the power and the desire to heal. Now, some of you listening have already experienced this kind of amazing grace, right? Maybe it, it was a head thing. You researched, you became convinced of the truth of Scripture. Maybe it was a heart thing, a, a miraculous healing, a recovery from an injury or addiction. Maybe you've just been going to church since Adam and have experienced the love of God in the people that you call your church family. Others of you, maybe you're searching, or maybe you've given up, you've grown cynical, you're grieving, 
Maybe you're angry with God. And that's okay too. Jesus knows your brokenness and your woundedness. Jesus knows what paralyzes and possesses you. See, Jesus uh, comes again today to bring you healing, to bring uh, to begin the work of becoming whole again. Jesus calls you and me. And just as Jesus embodies the healing and wholesome reign of God the way things are supposed to be, Jesus comes and invites us to align our lives with his, to walk in step with him, to rid ourselves, to repent, to rid ourselves of the sinly, ungodly patterns of living and relating toward God and each other, and to walk in step with Jesus. One other thing on this passage, by the way, the the whole fishers of people thing. This was ingrained in me through that old Sunday school song, I will make you fishers of men, fishers of men, fishers of men. Men is just a bad translation. It's anthropos, which is people. Anyway, um, I've always related this fishers of people thing to evangelism. That is that each and every one of us is sent out to go fishing for people. You know, hook them and reel them in for Jesus. Yay! But this week I noticed that the only people that Jesus promises to make into fishers for people are people who are already fishers. And so this week... Maybe, I wonder, maybe this is not a universal mandate for every one of us to adopt the fishing model of evangelism. Maybe, in fact, this is, a, uh, maybe this is something about vocation. Maybe this is Jesus affirming the u- unique giftedness, ability, and circumstances of every child of God. Maybe we can read this to understand that when Jesus calls us, Jesus calls us not to become totally different, but to become truly who we are and to transform the work that we do into God's work. That when you follow Jesus, your daily tasks, your unique skills and personalities, they're kind of infused with divinity and deeper purpose. Whether you're a fisher or farmer or financial planner, a teacher, a technician or truck driver, I love these alliterations, pastor, parent or party planner, be who you is. Vocation, you were made the way you were made, on purpose, for a purpose. So here we are. Jesus has preached to us, taught us, healed us. Now it's our job to go out and and make Christ known. What could possibly go wrong? Well, turns out plenty, especially this side of heaven. You know that word sin? Sin is sort of the blanket term that we use in Christianity for our human tendency to get off track and to screw things up. And sin has a pretty strong hold on all of us humans, even in churches, especially in churches. In the very communities in which we gather to grow closer to and more like Jesus, we lose sight of the main thing. And we form cliques and factions. We start canceling each other out. We used to call it communication. Now we call it ex- we used to call it excommunication. Now we call it cancel culture. Pastors have been begging their congregations just for the love of God, get along with each other for two thousand years. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in First Corinthians chapter one, verses ten through eighteen. This is from a translation called the Message. 
I have a serious concern to bring up with you, my friends. Using the authority of Jesus, our master, I'll put it as urgently as I can, he writes. You must get along with each other. You must learn to be considerate of one another, cultivating a life in common. I bring this up, he writes, because some from Chloe's family brought a most disturbing report to my attention, that you're fighting among yourselves. I'll tell you exactly what I was told. You're, you're all picking sides, going around saying, I'm on Paul's side, or I'm for Apollos, or Peter's my man, or I'm in the Messiah group. And I ask you, has the Messiah been chopped up into little pieces so we can each have a relic all our own? Was Paul crucified for you? Was a single one of you baptized in Paul's name? I was not involved with any of your baptisms except for Crispus and Gaius. And on getting this report, I'm sure glad I wasn't. At least no one can go around saying he was baptized in my name. You know, come to think of it, I also baptized Stephanus' family, but as far as I can recall, that's it. Anyway, the point is, God did not send me out to collect a following for myself, but to preach the message of what has been done, collecting a following for him. And he didn't send me to do it with a lot of fancy rhetoric of my own, lest the powerful action at the center, Christ on the cross, be trivialized into mere words. Do you hear what Paul's saying? He's, for the love of God, get along with each other. We're family. Now, the Bible calls for unity, not conformity. The word unity here has to do with being knit together into one piece of fabric or of patches of cloth being sewn together to form a single quilt. The church is a patchwork quilt, sewn, bound together by the Holy Spirit, on purpose, for a purpose. And just as each person is uniquely gifted and called, so every congregation has its own vocation, purpose, and calling. That's what it means to be united. That's what unity is. We're not all the same, and we're not supposed to be. But we are all called to be on the same page, as it were, to be aligned with Christ, in step with Christ, in sync with the Spirit. And so when we get together, um, it's important that we ask good questions, we hold each other accountable, we, we respect differences of opinion, culture, and experiences. We encourage healthy conflict and good boundaries. Our unity in Christ does not mean that we all agree. It does mean that we are each unique and beautiful and broken. And so we are compelled to wrestle with matters of conscience and doctrine and policy together. We will have different perspectives and point of view about everything from when life begins to how it should end. And we sin when we settle for lesser loyalties, when we divvy up, when we create factions and cliques, when we lay out litmus tests and cancel cultures. These are sinful behaviors that are out of alignment with God's kingdom, out of step with Jesus. These are what contribute to the brokenness of this world, not its healing. Repent, Jesus says, for the kingdom of God is at hand. For the love of God, let's get along. And that means being considerate and humble and curious. That's what it means to cultivate a life in common. And that is how we make Christ known because they'll know we are Christians by our love. Which is all to say that my urging for this congregation, and in particular for our annual meeting today, is that it's healthy and good to have differences of opinion and to talk about stuff that matters. 
It's important that the congregation hold me and the staff and the council and one another accountable, especially to the mission of God, to the message of God, um, and to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I think this applies to our politics too. We should be slow as, as Christians to judge others or to circle the wagons. I believe we should let people be who they is. I think it's really important that we don't believe everything we hear, that we resist those factions and cliques, that we foster healthy debate, and that again, we stay curious and humble. My second takeaway is, is the offer and the promise of healing for you and for those you love. We talk about intercessory prayer, and we take that seriously around here. I want to invite you to bring your hurts and heartbreaks to God in prayer. Bring the hurts and heartbreaks of your loved ones to God in prayer. It's that, it's that picture, just as, as Jesus healed those who were brought to him. So today, Jesus heals those we bring to him in prayer. And even more than that, we, your pastors, the people of faith, we want to offer to pray alongside of you. We want to help you bring your cares to Jesus by joining our prayers to your prayers. You aren't alone. The burden that you bear for your loved one, you, the burden you bear in your own soul, you don't have to carry that alone. Not only did Jesus come to save you, heal you, and draw you into his abundant love and life, for whatever reason, he, he put us here too <laughs> to sometimes be his hands and his heart and his help for you. Third thing, uh, know that you are created on purpose, for a purpose. Follow Jesus, align your life with his, your will with his, and, then, and what will happen is you'll begin to recognize a greater purpose for your life. Follow him, and use your gifts and abilities to the glory of God and for the healing of the nations. And finally, my prayer is that this congregation faithfully make Christ known in what we say and teach, in what we do, in how we treat others. May each one of us answer the call to follow Jesus and to repent. May we foster healing, salvation, reconciliation, and cooperation. Let's make Christ known. They'll know we are Christians by our love. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening, y'all. Learn more about faith at our website, www.faithshelton.org. You can like, subscribe, donate, sign up for the newsletter. Uh, this podcast is available on most podcast platforms, including Google and Apple and Spotify. Chaz, you're the best. Thanks for your production work on this podcast. Nadia works on the, the YouTube channel to make sure this is available in that way as well. I leave you with what is known as the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God all creatures here below. Praise God above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. God bless you and keep you. God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. God look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.